Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Show, and I am excited who I have on the line. We all remember him from Police Academy, Cocoon, Short Circuit, a, mu- a bunch of different things, but now he's on HBO Ballers. Steve, thanks for calling, Steve. Uh, we have Steve Gutenberg on the line. Good morning. Excited to chat with you today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Steve. What do you think? What think? I'm such a huge fan of Police Academy. What What was your fondest memory being part of that brand? You know, I always think about Police Academy or any of the other films I've been lucky to be in with uh, memories of the work and how we got to the character and how we got the storyline right, especially the ones that worked. So Police Academy was no different. It was so well written, and and Hugh Wilson is a really talented director. Paul Maslansky, the producer, Warner Brothers, great studio. So I just had a great day on it every day, and it was creating comedy, and that's always fun. Yes, and and that's what you love, right? From all the different opportunities you've had, you've had such great writers, directors, pe- people to work with, a, a great supporting cast. Go really well in your career from those opportunities. Yeah, well, every every show is a different opportunity creatively with creative intent, and you want to do the best job, whether it's drama or comedy or a musical. You 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 know you try to be true to the character, and serve the story. Absolutely, and, uh, and, and that's, that's the great thing. Now, again, now we're talking about HBO Ballers that returns on July 23rd. And, you know, uh, it's, Steve, when we talk about Ballers and how this is so real-life truth in so many ways with sports athletes. They, well, they're a very smart group of producers and writers, and uh, they've done their research, and they've been able to wind drama into uh, the true-life circumstances, and uh, that's not an easy uh, recipe. It, it definitely isn't, Steve, because think about, think about how we think these guys make so much money, yet their career is so short, and then they don't know with all that money – how they're going to invest it, what they're going to do with it, and then they have to go to a day-to-day job after they were so used to living that lifestyle. But, you know, day-to-day jobs were always the, uh, the average of uh, sports stars. You know, Bart Starr, I think, uh, worked at a, um, an auto uh, distributor uh, in the off-season. That was just something that was very, very uh, accepted. And now what we've done is make these superstars uh, – out of athletes, which is fantastic because it's entertainment and, and it fills seats. And, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be uh, part of a show like Ballers, which uh, shows some sort of the inside skinny of it all. 
Right. I, I'm, I'm friends with Andy Russell, from, former Steeler, and he talked about Rocky Blyer himself. Guys, they had, they had summer jobs after football. And the difference is now they have yeah, so much money. Yeah. yeah. And they use their Well, there are some guys who still, even though if you have a lot of money, there's some guys who still like to work in the off season and have, you know, real estate businesses or auto businesses or, you know, private shops, whether they're car washes or they own golf courses. A lot of these guys do work during the off season. Really? Still, I didn't know that. So that's interesting. I guess they're already looking at life after football, ba- basketball, baseball, whatever that sport is. Yeah. Now, Steve, your character yeah. is, a, is a billionaire. So tell us about your character, and we're going to be tuning in on, uh, uh, on HBO about your character. Tell us about that. Well, I play Wayne Hastings Jr., uh, a selfish, self-important, pretentious billionaire who was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. Uh, son of a trillionaire, and he's got lots of money. And Dwayne and Rob and Richard want to include him as an investor in their new project. And I play a bit of a heavy, a bit of a villain, and it's always such a great compliment as you get older as an actor to play the villain. That's the great part. And and is that that's a, that's different for you, especially maybe you've had you've done it before, but it's a perfect kind of uh, opportunity to play the villain and playing against opposite with the rock. That's uh, what a, what a talented guy he is, isn't he? He really is. Dwayne is such a nice man, a smart guy. He's well-informed. He's got insane manners. His manners are impeccable and he's a thoughtful guy. He's friendly and he listens and he listens as a person and he listens as an actor. And I think that's what makes him such a stellar human being. Absolutely, it makes him it makes him a great guy, and he really has transformed his life in so many ways. And he and he constantly is giving back in in ways, and and you could just see the the more and more he sees this platform and this opportunity, he's really going for it. He's really picking the right projects and the right opportunities, and that's that's something that sometimes uh, people don't figure out, you know. Well, we all are looking for the answer and the key, and I think Dwayne has found it. He has a balanced life. He has a lovely family that he, that he takes care of and, he, and he's proud of and he loves so much. He has a great extended family. He's got great friends. He has great work ethic, and he's, and he's a thoughtful citizen, and he's involved. And he wants to share his great fortune. And, you know, that's the best part of being uh, successful is sharing it with those you love and people you care about. Definitely. Uh, I think that's, that's important. And if you're, you're not doing that, then you're missing out. And that's the, the, the point of everything. If we, be, we have fame, you have to take that fame and understand and stay grounded. And, Steve, how have you been able to stay grounded your whole life, uh, especially with all the success you've had in film? Well, I'm very, very lucky. I have a terrific family, great friends, great business associates and colleagues that um, keep it very real for me. And it's show business. Show is the creative part, which I adore. And I love to become a better actor every day and keep growing as a person, as an actor. And then there's the business, which um, is a great deal of it is illusion. You know, success and failure are both illusions. 
And if you want to have a long career, whether you're a plumber, you're an executive, whether you're an artist, you have to take everything in perspective. Most definitely. And that's, that's the important part, as you said, is take everything in perspective. Absolutely. Anything on that you want to tell us about uh, for our listeners out there to know what's going on with you? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a, one of the most luckiest guys on the planet. I'm so grateful to be in Ballers and have a, a, a great shot at eight episodes out of ten and, and playing such a wonderful role, working with great guys. I have a great family life and, and, and terrific friends, and um, I've become everything I ever wanted to be. So I, I just want to continue, be a good person, keep contributing, and keep growing. And we can follow you on uh, Twitter at Steve Gutenberg. Is that correct? Yeah, thanks so much. Please look me up on Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook and, uh, and, uh, and, and talk to me. Absolutely. And tune in. Uh, 10 p.m. Eastern to Ballers and see Steve Gutenberg uh, and ha- your, your your character Wayne Hastings Jr. So good co- talking to you, man, and best of luck. Well, thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back. Haley's show, and I'm really excited who I have on my get- guest. I have on the line. It's Shark Week, and. Who should we get on the line? We got Joe Romero of Discovery Channel Shark Week. Joe, thanks for calling. It must be one of your favorite times, Shark Week, isn't it? It's like Christmas for shark people every year. <laughs> we definitely center around this time of year. It's the summertime. Fourth of July is happening. It's like it seems to be that everybody's going in the water, and this is what's on their minds. But it's nice because it also educates the public to really know the reality of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, tell me about your background and what makes you such a shark expert. Well, I'm fascinated with sharks. I mean, when I came to this country as a little kid, I couldn't really speak English, you know, and later I became a citizen and, you know, I went to school. I did everything. I educated myself on everything. But really, when I was a little kid, I just watched natural history shows all the time. It was something that without languages, you can just watch and understand. So you I've been involved with sharks my whole life. I've been watching them. I've been studying them. I've been just trying to understand them. And I've been lucky enough to work with some of the top scientists in our field all throughout the United States and other places that work with these animals. And I learned so much from them. So, I mean, all your experiences, everything just makes you a better cameraman. You know, the more you understand the animals, the closer you can get, the closer you can get things like that will stimulate the public. And nowadays, we can spend hours in the water. We, I mean, since right. the invention of scuba diving, we've only been able to spend like a short amount of time to film them. And out of 24 hours, we spend like maybe one some days just filming what they're doing as their behavior. But nowadays, you can, the cameras are so small, you can put them in places so the sharks will just do what they normally do. And you can even put them on the sharks. We have tracking systems That's that wild. go on the sharks and film in all different directions and show exactly how the sharks are socializing with each other. So there's still a lot to learn, and there's still new behaviors and new things that are just fascinating us and really surprising us. Absolutely. I think that they definitely surprise. And the, there are so many people that are fascinated with the sharks, yet are fearful of sharks. Joe, what would you say, especially in an education moment, should we fear sharks or should we really get to know them more by watching Shark Week and understanding it more? Because a lot of people just, they just see the, the, the fear of it and not the understanding of this animal. Well, the fear of it comes a lot from like what our pop 
culture has told us. You know, when I was a kid, my generation, the first movies we ever saw were Jaws. Everybody was terrified of Jaws. But then soon later, I feel like the population drove this because they were so fearful of these animals and they were exterminating them at such a high level that there was a fascination with them. And then they started to become Shark Week. And this this constant come out every week, every year, celebrate the animals for a full full week. I mean, it's a huge icon. There are so many elements of this animal that we see traits that we want to see in ourselves, like beauty and strength, power, and all this stuff. And the real fact of the matter is, they're going extinct. We're eliminating them off the planet. Like honestly, through all the pollution, through all the overfishing, through all of our effects, these animals are actually suffering through this. And that's just like something I, I really would try to convey to the public is always just, you know, they're, they're a gift to us. And if we don't take care of them, they will disappear. But sharks don't hunt humans. There's no evidence for that. A hundred million sharks are killed every year. A hundred wow. million. That's three oh sharks every second. So that means right now during this conversation, three sharks every second. Just talking just now. Oh, they're just terrible. disappearing. And at that rate, we'll never be able to control it. And, and on the other hand, I mean, sharks kill maybe about five people averagely a year with hundreds of millions of us going into the water. They're not hunting us. Right. There's no evidence of that, you know, and people just need to understand that. Yeah, bees kill more people than sharks. That's the truth with killer true. bees and stuff true, like that. True, but we're not so as fascinated with bees. We're not looking at bees. I mean, humans are fascinated with sharks. We love sharks. I think a lot of the people that even still fish sharks and do stuff still enjoy seeing the animals. They just, they're just not sure of how to interact with them. And I think right now this is where the education comes into play and it's really important for us. And I think Shark Week does that really well. It keeps the public stimulated by celebrating the predator, but at the same time showing that this predator is in trouble. So tonight, uh, your episode's airing July 24th at 8 p.m. Eastern. So tell us about that, and then maybe give us some, a little bit more of what we should expect for the rest of Shark Week. Shark Vortex tonight for you. Yeah, Shark Vortex actually takes place here in New England. I mean, we use a lot of the top Rhode Island shark divers. I used uh, the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. I went and visited top scientists up in the University of New England. And we basically investigate this natural phenomenon that happens off the coast of New England every year, where two ocean, giant ocean currents clash together and cause an explosion of life. And this drives, like, the ocean population. If you look at mankind's even civilization, our seashore communities are driven by these high populations of food. And this is right between Boston and New York City, the two biggest cities we have on our east coast, some of the two biggest cities in the, like, world. And... uh this event happens here. 500 species of shark, over 500 species of shark, still new ones being discovered today throughout the entire wow. world. But only five of those species are warm-blooded. All the rest are all cold-blooded. So these five species, out of those five species, four exist in the Atlantic. All four of them come to visit New England at some time at that part of the year. So Dr. Gregory Skomel and myself, he assists – well, he basically is – one of my biggest mentors and, you know, one of the top scientists in this field. And we're trying to unravel this puzzle of like why these animals come here. And through the process, we came out with some really amazing stuff. Like they've discovered some new things about these animals in certain areas where they were just starting to study in them that, that have spawned more research and more education about them that it feels like this, this kind of just accelerated that. And I, I feel very, very proud and satisfied satisfied by this show because of these facts but 
I feel like people are going to be fascinated. They're going to be surprised and they're just going to be totally blown away at like what we got on Shark Vortex. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the rest of the week, the lineup is to go to Discovery Channel's website to find out all the information on the rest of Shark Week, catch back up, I'm sure, on demand, all those different things, so you can see some of the other episodes you were involved with. But where's the best place we can find information on you? Where can we go? Uh, you can go to JoeRomero.com, or you can go on Instagram and look at at Joe Romero, R-O-M-E-I-R-O, 333, and you can find me. I mean, there's, there's stuff out there. I'm not hard to find. <laughs> All right, well, Joe, you really educated us in the short period of time we had you on, and we're all going to tune into Shark Week. Good talking to you, and best of luck. Oh, thank you so much. Happy Shark Week. All right, happy Shark Week to you, too. Take care, Joe. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and I'm really excited about my guest today. Uh, Love working with America's Got Talent, and I've interviewed some stars from there, uh, some tremendous stories, had a winner on. I interviewed him down in West Virginia. It's one of the most exciting shows, and it gives opportunities for so many people, so I'm excited to welcome the program. Eric Jones, he's a contestant on NBC's America's Got Talent. Eric, thanks for calling. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, Eric. When when we talk about, you know, specifically enough, this opportunity, you're a a magician and that you have been, you've had a a career before America's Got Talent. So tell us a little bit about that background and then why you decided to audition. You know, I have been a professional magician since 2009, meaning that uh, 100% of my income is derived from either the performance or the sale of magic or magic-related props. Um, since 2009, I've been a professional. Uh, there come a few challenges, you know, uh, by not having a day job. Find ways to convince people to hire you to do magic shows uh, can have its ups and downs. It's not always the most financially rewarding um gig on the planet. Um, so my goal with America's Got Talent was to get the <clears throat> get the exposure necessary to uh, be able to get more shows, better paying shows, uh, because I am a father and this is how I support my son and myself. Uh, so just to have a little bit of more ease of living and, you know, get a little bit more stability. But as a professional mag- uh, magician, you've had opportunities. But, yes, this, this could be your big break. The win America's Got Talent could change your life forever, right? So that's why you decided to audition. Oh, yeah, definitely. America's Got Talent has the ability to change a person's life. Uh, so that's a great reason to audition. Yeah. For sure. All right. So, Eric, tell us that process. How did you go about doing that? So our listeners out there, because, you know, everyone wants to have that opportunity. And it is it is crazy, isn't it, the auditioning process? You know, the auditioning process is uh, pretty rigorous. Uh, you know, you go through the preliminary auditions, meeting with casting directors and uh, waiting in long lines and then, you know, you have, have to get the, the effects chosen um, that you're going to share when you do your, your first recorded audition in front of the celebrity judges. And, you know, now right now I'm in a position where I've, I've made it all the way through to the live rounds. But 
you know, it, it has been a really rigorous, time-consuming process. Uh, you know, for anyone listening who may be interested in uh, going on America's Got Talent, uh, is definitely have patience. Uh, several of my friends who auditioned with me didn't make it through. Uh, and for some of them, they've been trying for two or three years straight. Uh, so I was very lucky to be able to get this process, but, you know, make sure that you have your diligence, have patience, and, you know, eventually, maybe one day you can make it as well. It's a cattle call, isn't it, Eric, at the beginning, till you get finally to get in front of the, 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 the judges. You go through other judges, you go through all this other process just to get on stage, right? And to get that, get those people's attention that you are somebody that should compete in this competition. Yeah, you know, it is really a cattle call. You know, you have literally thousands of people who are gathered in these major cities around the world waiting for an opportunity, standing in line for hours upon hours to have an opportunity to get on stage and perform in front of these judges. Um, You know, when you do get picked, it is a pretty amazing feeling knowing that out of 100,000 people, you uh, get to be one of the initial 250 to be aired on television. Absolutely. And then, then that, the process. So when you first got in front of the judges filming, what did you think of that? I mean, I know you've been on another, uh, reality show and you've performed a lot of people. Is it pretty intimidating the first time saying, Oh, am I going to get to go to the next place and and move on? Is that an intimidating process? You know, when I, uh, first step on, stepped on stage, uh, for my first audition, there were 2,000 people in the audience, and then you have the four celebrity judges sitting there judging your every movement. Um, it is an intimidating experience. Um, luckily for me, I've had a little bit of experience working on, on television and being in front of audiences that size. But, you know, the entire feeling of wondering whether or not you're going to measure up in their eyes yes. uh, can be a little daunting. Absolutely. And then you don't know what they, they're looking for, especially magicians. They've been on America's Got Talent. There's a history of that for sure. But you got to be able to do something that is completely different than another magician that's been on the show from certain seasons. So tell us your style of magic. Yeah, you're right. America's got talent. You know, you never know exactly what they're looking for, especially with this huge history of uh, magic, even all the way back to seasons two and three. Uh, some of my favorite magicians were on the show. Um, for me, I think what I bring to the table um, is a more relaxed feel. Uh, than any of the other magicians that have come on. You know, magicians are usually in your face, bam, 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 magic trick, magic trick, magic trick. Um, and sometimes they even step on the effect, hoping to make sure that you understand that their personality is larger than life. Um, I personally like to allow the magic to speak for itself. Um, and, you know, it's, I've had a few people say a few nice things about me, uh, that they like the calm and relaxed atmosphere that I bring uh, to the stage. Um, and that's that's always, you know, a, a positive thing, I think, because it doesn't become overwhelming for the audience. No, it d- definitely doesn't become overwhelming. And what ki- who would you say you model your style of magic with? Especially, it seems like you're a historian of magic. Who do you consider yourself like comparing yourself to? That's really well known and 
Um, you know, in in the world of magic, there are few people that uh, have influenced my style of magic. Uh, several of them you've probably never heard of, but they're guys like Guy Vernon and um, Mark Kalin, uh, Michael Lamar, and guys like that. But people that you uh, may have heard of, well, the, the, the biggest guy would be David Blaine. Oh, yeah. uh, truth of the matter is, without the influence of David Blaine, I never would have gotten into magic in the first place. Wow. So you were so impressed. You said, I want to try to learn this, Eric, after seeing David. You know, um, it was 2000, and I was watching uh, a television special, uh, David Blaine's first television special. And the way I remember it is that he took a quarter from a guy and bit a hole in the middle of it. Um, turns out that I've misremembered that over the years. He actually bit it in half and then spit the broken piece back on to restore the quarter. Uh, but that was the initial trick that sparked my interest in magic. Uh, later on, got a chance to meet him, hang out with him, um, and found a magic shop slightly after that. And uh, spending some time at that magic shop is how uh, I really uh, dug my teeth into the world of magic. I bought my first magic tricks, my That's first fantastic. props, uh, and was able to develop a career over time. So, Eric, tell us where you are in the process so people could start rooting you on as you move on, moving forward uh, with the AGT. What, 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 what's the next step for you on the show for our listeners that have not even following or want to catch up and really root for you? Well, as of right now, as of today's date, I am in the process of preparing for my first round of live wow. rounds. Mm -hmm. uh, they call it the quarterfinals. I've gone through uh, both the initial auditions and the judges' cuts um, and have something very interesting planned for the judge cuts. I mean, I'm sorry, for the, for the live rounds. The truth of the matter is that what America is going to see is something that I have never attempted in front of a live audience before, certainly not at the scale of America's Got Talent. So it is a little, it makes me a little nervous, but I, uh, I'm certainly up for the task. All right. Well, I'm going to be rooting you on for sure. And uh, do you know, when, um, so the live audience comes up pretty soon. When is that going to happen where you're going to perform that? Is that coming soon? Is that? Uh, it, it, it come, the, the live rounds. Uh, begin in August. Uh, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but I know that that'll be that'll be posted pretty soon. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I know that I have less than a month to get this thing completely rehearsed and ready for America. Well, we're going to root for you, Pennsylvania. We're nationally syndicated all, and we're international, but flagship stations, Pittsburgh. And we'll be rooting for Philadelphia for sure, Eric, and to see where you go. And I'll be rooting for you, and we'll be checking you out. Where's the best place we can find info on you? Are you on social media that people can connect with you and stuff, Eric? Most certainly. Um, on both Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Snapchat, you can find me at Eric Jones Magic. And also Facebook at Eric Jones. Oh, just Eric Jones Magic. If you do that, pop that into the, the search field, you'll be able to find me. Well, best of luck in the live round, and then we'll see where we can go. Let's see if you can be the next winner of America's Got Talent. Practice and practice and be ready for August, and especially in front of those judges. You never know what they're going to expect or what they expect out of you. So I appreciate that. And everyone needs to check out America's Got Talent on NBC. And, uh, and I appreciate you calling, Eric.
Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. And keep your fingers crossed. I will. Take care, Eric. Thanks again for the time. Appreciate it. All righty. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and we're really excited about our guest. And, you know, when we talk about dating and uh, the uh, do's and don'ts, and we cringe even the days when we – I've been married for – 17 years, so I don't remember those days that much, but it was really hard when I dated as well. So I'm excited to welcome the program, Michelle Collins of Lifetime's Date Night Live. Michelle, how are you? And thanks for calling. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry that you can't be one of our daters. That's a bummer. <laughs> I don't think my wife would want that. <laughs> so I don't think I, I don't think you know that. what I keep saying? Hey, good. I feel like it would be a great test for married couples, though, because if you do go on a bad date, it just solidifies your your love for your wife, you know. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I talk to lots of people, especially young people today. I mean, I, I'm 43, but the, the 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 challenges of dating now, and that's so much different than when you when. I guess both of us were dating and that we didn't have text messaging. We, mm. we, we went to bars and just had conversations. We didn't have to deal with all these right. uh, backdoor things and, and kind of figuring out what they really mean. Cause people really don't know how to be open anymore. In right. my opinion. I, I actually agree with you. It's, it, we've turned into like the minority report of just like focusing on the screen and, and, what people's, let's say, online persona is versus how they are in real life um, is extremely wildly different. But I will say that what's great about Date Night Live is we are putting people on a date who have not Googled each other. They don't know who they're meeting. You know, it's the true blind date. So, you know, there is, you really do have to show up as your best self or worst self, depending on who you are, you know, but we are seeing raw, real first dates and we're watching them as they happen. Now, Michelle, do you agree with me that young people, I mean, let's say that are dating that are in their 20s and 30s, they really don't know how to communicate at all in so many ways because of technology? You know, I don't want to shame my fellow youths about their love of their phones because <laughs> I'm, you know. I, I'm in love with mine, too. I'm yeah, on yeah. my phone a lot. Me, too. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think we all are, but I, I agree with you. I do think that you know, it's very depressing, actually, that in order to go on a date these days, you have to have an app. Like, nobody, you know, you can sit at a bar for 10 hours and not meet anybody. You know what I mean? Except for your Uber driver, which is often how I meet men. But, you know, there's a, a lack of connection, I feel, these days that phones do kind of play a part into. But I also have a lot of friends who have met their husbands or wives via OkCupid or via really? Tinder, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, no, I really do know people like that. So I, I kind of think you can look at it from both ways. In a way, it's connecting us, but also it's dividing us. And what makes this show different of other date shows, in a way? It's, again, the live portion in a certain way, but explain it like how the, they're filming it and stuff. It's so raw compared to other shows that are a lot of times scripted in ways. Remember back in the day, some of the great date shows that we would watch <laughs> that were on, you know, when it was really, really popular? I, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. I feel like you're trying to age me in this interview. You're like, Michelle, remember back in like the <laughs> 1890s when people no. didn't have phones 
I don't know how I'm old like, you I'm are, Michelle. I'm not sure. I, 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 you're younger than me, maybe. I don't know. I don't even know. I'm in. I'm just. I'm just. You know. I'm in my mid thirties, and that's my true age. Okay. That's not my LA age. I'm in my mid thirties. But I'm um, sure as a teenager, you know, you're watching. What's great what, thing or, about yeah, date night? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. You know, see, what's great about this show, and you're exactly right, is that there are no producers getting involved. Like, we do have casting people and a matchmaker setting these couples up with the hopes that, you know, it goes well. But once they meet each other on that date, our people are not getting involved. They don't talk to us back in the studio. We are watching. We're like you at home. We are the flies on the wall. So it's kind of like the mystery science theater of dating where we'll be commenting in between and checking in. It's from the same people who do live PD, so oh, that's wow, kind of yeah. going to be the energy of it. I, yeah, I'm calling our show live PDA because I feel like that is what it is. But, you know, we have um, – it, it's going to be absolutely like a madhouse Thursday. I'm excited and a little scared, but in a good way. And your experience hosting different things, is this different in a way for you mm-hmm. to kind of prepare yourself for this kind of experience? I know you've done some different things that are reality-based, but th- – this this kind of thing yes. in, in a way, yeah. It, I think it actually has prepared. You know, I'm listen. I've been a longtime fan of The Bachelor, Bachelorette. I hosted the after show last summer for Bachelor in Paradise. You know, so dating, watching other people date, somehow has become my trademark. And I feel like now that I've said it, it sounds really creepy, but it's really not <laughs> yeah. meant to be. Um, and I've always been like, wait, what? Um, but also, you know, I've just been a pop culture person for years, and it's it's really my bread and butter. So hosting a show like this, to me, is a dream job, you know, after maybe hosting the Olympics. Like, I, I don't know what else I could really be doing that would be better. I, I'm very excited. Well, and definitely, and I think the difference between The Bachelor and Bachelorette in a lot of ways is because it's such a it – go, it keeps on going and going. This is one opportunity. Are yeah. you going to make this connection? And you don't know anything about that person. And it's going to be so raw. I, I could imagine, like you said, you put married couples out on dates of with other people and then see their personalities. Because what do you think, Michelle, is the most important thing? I mean, we good-looking people attract to good-looking people or people attract, but they attract so much to personality interests nowadays that it's very difficult to keep people's attention if they're not connected in some way, especially on that first date. You really bring up a lot of good points there. I think that obviously, look, physicality is a big part of it, clearly. Um, we, we're trying to find people who would be naturally attracted to each other. But, of course, that probably won't always work. Um, and, I mean, my hope is that people are just open and that they let the other person talk. I feel like I've been on so many first dates where people do not shut up. And it's like – and I'm – chattiest, most annoying person ever. So it's like, you know, we need to find that middle ground of learn about the other person. It's not about you. It's about finding, you know, that connection, like you said. And so I I really hope that people know when they come on the show to do that and to be also be open maybe to something they never thought they would have been attracted to, you know? Absolutely. So again, Thursday, July 27th, 10 p.m. Eastern on Lifetime. Uh, you can check, check, check it out and, uh, and really enjoy uh, Date Night Live. And the, the point of live, first question is, again, it, this is not live, but what's the reason for the word live? Because of the fact it's not cut and, and put together kind of like two and two and all those ones we used to watch. 
right? Well, the show is 100% live. Wow, okay. These are happening uh, as we watch the show. Okay, so that's the surprise. Yeah, no, I'm telling you that you don't, the level of coordination is mind-blowing. Like, there's seven dates. We have seven teams out filming these dates, oh my and we are gosh, cutting live. back and forth wow. as they're happening. Oh, I yeah. didn't. So again, that's one point I did. I missed. So that's good. So t- tune in live. So are you going to be tweeting live as well? Uh, so can we connect with you different places? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. there's no way unless I'm, you know, like bicentennial man that I can tweet and host <laughs> because it's too much. <laughs> I wish I could tweet. <laughs> that's my go-to robot reference for the record. Um, I'm hoping that if I can squeeze some tweets in, obviously I'll, I'll try to do it, but there's a lot to handle in those two hours. So one step at a time, you know? Yeah, do the re-air and then do a live tweet after that. You never know. But uh, where's the best place we can find info on you, Michelle? Where can we go? On your Twitter. Oh, that's nice. So, um, well, you can find me on Twitter at Mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. And, um, yeah, and tune in for a to 10 on Lifetime. It's I, I don't know what to tell you other than it's going to be absolutely crazy, and that's it. Oh yeah, because it's because it's live. You just never know what can happen, and then the the, the I could feel right. for the producers, direct everybody saying, "Oh my gosh, please don't they? I hope they didn't say this." So everyone needs to tune in. And thanks again for calling, Michelle. Exactly, I f- appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Are oh, you too? Take care. Bye bye. You're listening to the Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Beach Lifestyle Celebrity segment on the Total Education Network, TotalTutor.net for more information, Twitter, Total Tutor Neil S. Haley, Facebook, and I'm really excited to have back on the show, and I was, I was uh, texting or emailing the publicist right now saying, I want the Wiggles on quarterly. They're such a cool bunch of guys and gals, and I have a blast with them, so I want to welcome the program, the Wiggles. So hello, Wiggles. Thanks again for calling. Uh, you know, we're all here, we're all ready to talk, and we're so happy to be coming back to the stage. Well, absolutely. One, being one of the only education talk shows in the world, I think that when we talk about education and the Wiggles, they go hand in hand, especially, Anthony, with your background from our last interviews. But I want updates now. I want to know about a lot of things going on with you, especially the Taking Off Tour, how things have been going with the Taking Off Tour. We're going really well. At the end of last year, Greg, Jeff, and Murray retired, of course, and uh, they handed over the, the, the outfits and uh, the, uh, I guess, the direction of the Wiggles to Lockie and Emma and Simon and myself. And uh, we, we've just been touring around Australia, and uh, we, we've done a whole lot of remote areas, uh, uh, which was a fantastic tour. We toured for six months around Australia, and now in the States... Our new TV series is just starting on Sprout, and it's called Ready, Steady, Wiggle. It's been already premiered in Canada and gone really well. And so now we're getting around, and uh, in Australia, uh, they've got to know Emma, our first ever female Wiggle, and all the new guys. Of course, we sing the old songs, you know, Fruit Salad, Yummy, Yummy, Toot Toot, Chugga Chugga, Hot Potato. We do new songs, Do the Propeller, a whole lot of songs, uh, songs about, um, you know, uh, Simon Says, or we've got this allergy song, which have been doing really well on YouTube, you know, millions of hits. And uh, things are going really well for the Wiggles, and the new energy and new direction, I'm really enjoying it. And children are more importantly well, it's important, and, and before I go to the rest of the crew, I want to go basically another question, Anthony. Basically, a new group together. I mean, you're used to touring with the originals for so long. Is it difficult at first to get used to a different crew, or you guys just mesh together through this tour? Well, you know what? It was, it, um, we had a whole year last year where, where the boys said goodbye, and uh, 
Emma, Simon and Lockie came around every show we did and, and had um, three or four songs as the Wiggles in training. So I got to know them really well. What, what's been the hardest for me is this year is actually uh, looking over the keyboard and uh, not seeing Jeff there, because, especially Jeff, because uh, even before the Wiggles, 22 years, I was in a rock band with Jeff for 10 years. So I've been playing on stage with Jeff for, for 30 years and, uh, you know, I kind of miss seeing him there, but seeing that the children are really taking to the new wiggles and, and uh, you know, I, I do miss the guys, but I, I may actually love the new energy as well. When I've told my uh, kids who are huge fans, and now I have all the time in the world to talk to you guys about that, because uh, the first time we had such a short period of time to be able to talk two segments and learn so much about you, but my one daughter is so excited, and we've been watching the old Wiggles episode saying, I can't believe I've interviewed them, because it's just an absolute honor to have you guys on the show and to be able to promote what you're doing. But it also is funny, my nephew's been staying the last two days, and he comes back and says, when are you interviewing the Wiggles? And I said, three o'clock on Thursday, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So uh, the kids just love you. And I think that that's the, the key component of this is that you show that love and attention on the stage and the TV show is so fantastic. It just must make you feel so great. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's the Wiggles are all built on, on respect of children and uh, we really do treasure our audience and, uh, and uh, we know that they're different thinkers to adults, you know. Young children think differently, and we have to cater for that. And uh, hopefully, the songs inspire them to just become more of themselves. You know, become themselves and be happy with themselves at whatever level they're at. You know, uh, we encourage them to get up and dance. You know, eat some healthy food. You know, you know, they're, they're, we're just trying to encourage children to be themselves. Well, I think that's fantastic. So let's go to the first ever female member of the Wiggles. And let's get Emma on the line because Emma, when we were talking, now the tour and especially in the United States and all over the place, how are they responding to Emma being in the Wiggles? What's well, been going on, Emma? Emma. Yeah, they... I'll put Emma on, but I just let me tell you because she's a little bit, I guess you'd call it modest, but around Australia... There's this, they call it the Little Emma Army, where there's all these little girls dressing up like Emma. I'll put you on, Emma. Mate, good talking to you. All right. Here she comes. Hello. Hi, Emma. I was the question I was going to ask uh, uh, is basically how have the fans responded to the first female member of the Wiggles, especially the tour and the television show debuting in Australia before it's come to the U.S. How have they responded to this change? And also, I guess, girls, how they've liked it. Actually, um, we've been touring Australia for about six months now, and um, the most exciting thing is that a lot of the children are coming to the shows, obviously with the roses for Dorothy and Bones Lake, but they're starting to bring bows for me, and, and they're wearing big bows in their hair and bows on their shoes, and uh, we had a show in Sydney, and uh, there was a brother and a sister about four years old, and um, the little girl and the little boy were dressed like me. <laughs> That's so cool. And it's it's something that, like, you're like, now finally I'm going to get a different audience, uh, a new audience to the Wiggles by being the first female member. Have you noticed yeah. new people coming up and saying, once I knew you were a part of it, I, I wanted to take my kids, especially my girls. Have you noticed a lot, that? A lot of the response is, um, why hadn't this happened earlier? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I think... Um, you know, I always hear Anthony say that at the time they obviously would have planned, if they knew that they were going to be such a success, they would have planned something and, and have made it, um, you know, they would have had a go in it before. But because they were just four friends from university at the time, it didn't really, 
you know, they didn't think that it was going to flourish. So I guess that's how it happened. And, and now it's definitely due. And um, I'm loving every second of it. And how are you responding now being a celebrity? Emma, you probably never thought of this in your entire life that this was going to happen to you, but now being recognized all over the place, especially in Australia, how does it feel? Um, it's a little bit bizarre, but um, I think because Simon and Lockie and I, we've been on the road with the Wiggles as, as dancers and as other characters for the last couple of years, you start, you do see um, the original Wiggles get recognised all the time. Like, we'd be out at dinner and, and there'd be a family and somebody would recognise Murray and he's signing the serviette to give them, you know. And I think that when it starts happening to you, it does feel a bit surreal. And uh, now we've got our new TV show, um, Ready, Steady, Wiggle, that's out now and it's, it's starting to... To become more known and you know people do recognize you and because I do have bright red hair you can't really mistake it half the time and, and I guess it's kind of it's kind of fun well, absolutely. We're, good. We're talking the Wiggles um, and member Emma. And Emma, what would you say is your favorite memory so far on tour? What would you say that, you know, this is something I'm never going to forget? Oh, wow. Um... Actually, um, this is—I guess this is this is a sad story and a happy story. But um, we we get to visit um, a lot of children in the hospitals, and um, we met a little girl in a hospital, and because we try and visit the same hospitals over and over again, you know, you start to get to know the children and, um, you know, we meet lots of different children, um, you know, that uh, have families that are trying to support the child in, in their time of grief. You know, they might be, um, you know, in the hospital for years or, you know, in there for a treatment. And um, we met a girl and sadly she passed away this year. Oh, and we were just really lucky um, to have met her a couple of times. And we really felt like we knew her and, and she loved Dorothy the Dinosaur. And, um, you know, the parents were really, you know, very appreciative that we were able to say bye to her. And um, not that we knew, but, you know, we, we had visited her right up um, until she passed away. And I, I'll never forget it because I felt um, like this job had given me the opportunity to give joy to her life. And, um, and, um, and, and now every time we visit the, the hospitals, it always reminds me of that incident. And, you know, children are so fragile that they really do need to be looked after. Absolutely, Emma. And uh, I think what if it's the first time they've been to see the new group on tour, especially in the United States, we're speaking to an international audience on this radio network. But if we're talking people, especially in the U.S., what is going to be a big surprise to them is, is next to you, would you say? A big surprise? Oh, um, in the show? Yeah, in the show. I, I, I guess it's the the newest surprise is that we sound different. Our, our songs, even though we sing some of the original songs, um, like Hot Potato and Choo Choo Chugga Chugga, um, you know, we've got three voices now. Simon and Lockie are very um, amazingly trained musical theatre singers. And, um, and I guess the most exciting part is that I'll be driving the big red car. Oh, wow. And um, I'm really excited because I haven't really had a chance. I've only ever driven it once in Australia. Um, so now this will be the first time. Awesome. So, Emma, go ahead and put Simon on the line next and let Anthony know when you're talking to him off air that basically we're going to jump back to Anthony. And by, my, by the way, because we're having two segments, our co-host wants to call in because he loves the Wiggles so much. So just let him know that. Oh. All right. All right okay, Col I'll let you know and I'll give you the Simon. Okay, awesome. All right, so right bye. now. All right, bye-bye. That was so great. Emma is so fantastic. She does so follow me. Going? Hi, Simon. And I was about to say, Emma does follow me on Twitter at Total Tutor. So hopefully, Simon, do you have a Twitter, by the way? Yes, I do. We all, we all have Twitter. Uh, Simon underscore Wiggle. 
or Anthony underscore Wiggle, Emma underscore Wiggle, Lockie underscore Wiggle. So are you pretty familiar with the whole Twitter thing? Are you pretty connected to it, Simon, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right, cool. All right, so, Simon, I, this must be just an unbelievable experience touring with them, especially when, yeah, you were to, especially when you were touring as a back and backup dancer and things like that, and to now be one of the members of the Wiggles. It must be unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. It's been an incredible experience. I mean, I've known Anthony for uh, close to 20 years, and I've, I've worked with the guys on and off over the years, a lot of their backing vocals and a lot of their CDs probably for the last 10 or so years. So I've been around it for quite a while. And uh, then uh, as a character, like you said, in the background, Ringo the Ringmaster, a few years ago, I started with them on a full-time level. Now it's come to this, and it's just uh, the most amazing experience. I've had a fantastic uh, start to the year over the last six months touring around Australia. And last year also was uh, the full year we had as we were in training with the, you know, with Greg Murray, Jeff and Anthony. It was invaluable. It was a great, great start to it all. Absolutely, and uh, I think that it must be a, a, a really exciting to be also recognized and to be able to go out there and change people's lives in some ways being a member of the Wiggles. Yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, any, any sort of positive impact you can have at all in any, uh, like a, a family's life or a child's life is, is what's important. If we can, you know, we, we've managed to visit a lot of hospitals and see a lot of uh, children who are quite sick, and if we can make their life uh, bring a smile to their face and their parents' face at all, anyway at all. That's kind of what it's all about, really. And what would you say would be your greatest moment so far on tour and with the Wiggles? What would you say, Simon? Oh, it's so hard to... Well, I think probably we, our first big concert was at uh, Hyde Park in Sydney. It was a free concert for about... It was on Australia Day, 26th of January, and uh, it was a free concert, about 10,000 people. And that was our first big concert, and that was the real... Okay, here we go, guys. <laughs> putting on putting on the shirts and jumping out, getting out there, and really uh, not knowing if you know, feeling confident what we were doing, but really not knowing if the, an audience are really going to uh, take to us. Us, the guys have been you know doing it the original guys for twenty two years, and the, the best moment was just getting out there and doing singing that first song, "Rocker by Your Bear," and the whole crowd going uh, loving it and cheering and singing along and. From that moment, I thought, okay, we're, we're okay. Everything's going to be all right. Everyone trusts us, and um, this is going to be an incredible ride. And so that'll be the moment for me. And, and Simon, you've not seen any difference, especially because you've been on tour for, with them forever. The response of the fans is the same as the original Wiggles. Wouldn't you agree? The response. Yeah, absolutely. It's exactly the same. If you get out there and you sing the songs and you dance, and the children are up there doing it all, and the parents are singing and dancing as well. I mean, it's uh, you know, it really is a it's a fantastic, fantastic experience, and. Oh, you know, there was some uncertainty about it originally, but as soon as we got out there, that all kind of went away. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been amazing, and the audience, you know, it changes every, you know, every few years. And there's always children being born, so that's kind of, uh, there will be children who only know us as the wheels, you know, and, and so it's, a, yeah, it's been really positive. And how do you feel having your own doll and your own merchandise? Is that pretty cool too? <laughs> Yeah, I guess it is. I haven't really thought about it too much, but yeah, that's it. all that side of things. Is, it's pretty wacky, really. But uh, I guess it's all part of it, and you know, uh, you know, just embrace it. I guess it's lots of fun. So, what message would you would love to give to your fans right now, listening about what, so far being a Wiggle, and just basically for them to kind of know more about you? Uh, well, I, I guess you know, it's all about music, and music's. Uh, uh, it drives the wheels and, and life of the wheels, and uh, it's about getting out there. It's about healthy living. It's about music. It's about um, eating well. It's about keeping fit. It's about all those basics in life, which just uh, 
can tend to make life as you as you grow older as well, you know, a little easier and a little little more enjoyable. So that's kind of the life of a wiggle is just setting that level of um, a nice, healthy, uh, happy lifestyle. Okay, well, fantastic. Go ahead and get lucky on the line, and uh, yeah, and we're going to take a break while we get lucky on the line. You're listening to Toll Education Celebrity Show on the Toll Education Network, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Toll Education Celebrity Show on the Toll Education Network, TotalTutor.net for more information. Twitter, Total Tutor Nealis Haley, Facebook, and on the again the celebrity segment, the Beach Lifestyle, and uh, really. Enjoying the conversation with the Wiggles. We've talked to Emma. We've talked to Anthony. We've talked to Simon. Now we're talking to Lucky. And I, I'm going to let Jared have the first question. Uh, and Jared, you know, has the very interesting questions. Lucky, if you remember our last interview, you've been interviewed by so many different people. But I guess when you talk about us two, no one forgets us, we hope. Jared, so what questions do you have for Lucky about specifically the tour, the experiences on the tour, and working with the rest of the Wiggles? Well, what I'd really like to know is that did he have that name Lucky before he became a Wiggle, or did he get it because of his good fortune of uh, becoming a Wiggle? But I, I think it is good fortune. I, I, I do feel very, very special and lucky to get it. But, but, but this is with a little bit of confusion is we find it quite funny and entertaining on the tour. But my, my name is Lockie. But in America especially, and, and Canada as well, it, everyone says lucky. So last year when we were um, wiggled in training, Anthony just said, all right, it's going to be lucky. So, you know, I went ahead and changed my, my Twitter name and my Facebook name to Lucky Wiggle. It's actually Lucky spelled L-A-C-H-Y. It's not a name you have in America at all, I don't think. It's, um, my full name is Lachlan. <laughs> but um, that's, that, that, that's how it came about. But I think we're going to probably go back to the, the lucky thing for this American tour again, I think. It works better. Well, Americans really would not be able to pronunciate it, and I ho- was hoping I didn't make a mistake. I was like, is it Latchy? Is it whatever? When I first interviewed you, and then I remember everyone saying it yeah. last time. So, uh, Lucky, I ultimately, what? how has it felt being a Wiggle? I mean, it must be an absolute honor. You toured with them for so long, and now you are a Wiggle. After the six-month tour and also the shooting the TV show, it just must be make you feel really good. It does. It, it, it really is a very, very special opportunity, a really special part of my life, really. You know, we, we travel the world entertaining the, the children all over the world, and it really is special. And you, you can't really start to put it into words. It's just really just happened all so fast. This year has gone incredibly quick. We're already up to August. Uh, it's, and it's quite scary how fast it goes. But yet it just has been an absolute privilege to, to you know, do what the original Wiggles did for, for 21 years. And, and I really hope we can we can go as long with it, having so much fun. And the, the good energy is still so there. Like we're seeing that in the, the audiences. I think well, I'm in Toronto today and the Ready Steady Wiggle, our TV series, has hit Canada and we're getting so many good reports, and that hits the USA on Sprout in a few weeks' time, so we can't wait to start getting you know, feedback on that as well. But, yeah, it has. It has just been a dream, dream role so far. So, Jared, I'm sure you're excited about the debut on Sprout, so you're going to say, wow, I know them. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, it is. Go, Jared. Um, lucky, I wanted to uh, – you're, you're debuting on Sprout, and um, – yes. I wanted to, to kind of focus in now on the, the tour. Um, what what do you and the rest of the Wiggles do on tour 
to prepare for your shows? Uh, I mean, there has to be so much logistically. But what do you folks do uh, as, as that whole entourage to really get ready as, as you're moving into each new city? You know, it's a great question. We, we travel with a, a crew, so we're, we're quite lucky in the fact that we just... Um, we get to the venue in the morning, and they're they're already very busily setting up. We have we travel with like a sound engineer and um, stage guys, so they set up all that all that side. But then, we, so we get there in the morning, we'll have a bit of brekkie or something. We might go for a walk around the, the towns where we are, just to have a look around and see what see what the city has, you know, to have a look at. And then we sort of get back to the venue. We'll do a big a big warm up. Generally, not all together. We'll just do our own separate warm ups. I'd be quite a bit of vocal warm ups. I know Simon does that as well, just for the singing part. But then we'll do some stretches and, you know, all that. And then we'll, we'll go on and do a sound check. So by that time, the, the sound all will be ready on stage. So we'll go up and basically just have a jam. And I think that comes from the original guys, you know, days of rock and roll. They, they started in a rock band. So they just love getting up on stage and they just jam to whatever song was in their head on the time. So, you know, I jump on the piano and... Um, Simo plays a, a mean cowbell, <laughs> Anthony is on the guitar, and Emma, Emma, Emma plays the drums, and she's getting really fantastic on the drums. You know, we'd all sit around and literally play anything from from pop songs to Anthony's, you know, rock and roll stuff, and then then we'll uh, sort of morph into Wiggles, and so that, that's a really fun part. Just then we dance around as well, so that's a big warm up, and um, then yeah, we'll go back and get in our skivvies and basically the, uh, sorry, our, our shirts, and the, the show starts. All right. Well, uh, that's really interesting. Lucky, the question I've asked Simon, Anthony, and Emma, what has been your greatest fu- experience on tour so far? The story that you want to tell our audience. Oh, wow. There's quite a few. Let me just, um, I think probably just, just for me personally, I think it's when you start getting, um, it's happened at a few places on, the, on this big Australian outback tour we did, but when the children start making signs that say, um, you know, I got a fantastic sign that said, wake up, Lockie. It was a big, big pink sign. With, with the, they, they cut out my face and they, they said, we love to wake up, Lockie. And that's something you just don't ever really see. Like, a, it's just, it makes you feel, you know, really good. It's just, a, it's really, really cool to see them holding up in the audiences and holding up signs. Actually, one time I, we, we ran on stage, it was right at the start of the show, we go through the lineup. So ever said, um, Simon says, "Hi, I'm Simon. Hi, I'm Emma." It got to me, and I was too busy reading a sign that said "Hi, Lockie," and I was so, I was so shocked to see someone who made a sign that said "Hi, Lockie." I completely forgot to say my name. And Anthony was obviously next, and he jumped in. He's like, "Can we just stop the show?" And he was laughing. He said, "Lockie, are you, you, you going to say your line?" I'm like, "I'm sorry. I just, you know, I just saw it." Sign with my name on it, so that was a big shock. That's probably one of the things. I understand. We even, we even had. Good. Sorry, you go. Go, Jerry. Oh, um, yeah. I wanted to kind of stay on that that whole yeah. kind of track where Neil has gone with the um, the, the tour, and how how important is it for you and the rest of the Wiggles to? I feel like you're identifying with the children in each tour stop that that you're in. Well, that's, that's that's everything, really. That's what the the Wiggles have have, have you know set out to do from from the very start is to identify with the children. So for us, that that's very important, and that I think we we, we do that. I, there's, there's something in the songs, there's something in the the colours and the movement and the, the characters, of course, you know, Dorothy and Wags and and Henry. But we just and Captain Featherstone as well. We just find the 
the children are up almost immediately from the very get-go of the, whatever song we start with, whether it's, you know, Rockabye Affair or Point Your Fingers and Do the Twist. You know, they all just sort of jump up, and it, it's, it's really fantastic. And that's the great thing about getting to each different venue is, of course, the children are different, so we get to meet so many children and see so many happy faces, and it, it really is nice. So that's what we're trying to do this, this big tour of America. Well, Lucky, uh, we're going to go ahead and get jump uh, back to Anthony for some updates on the products and also St. Jude and stuff, but I appreciate you calling. So go ahead and uh, go ahead and jump on and grab back Anthony if you can. Yes, no, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. So, Jared, it's, I'm just running, getting... all right, so we're getting Anthony now, but, Jared, I tell you, it's always fun to, to talk so impromptu. I think I'm so glad we've had the experience, Jared. Hello. Oh, hey, Anthony. We've had the experience. Yeah, good. I was telling uh, Jared, I said, I'm glad we have the experience of doing live radio for so many years before we started recording so we can roll with the punches, especially connecting people, co-hosts on the line, now Anthony back. Anthony, the question I have ultimately is the great uh, charity work you're doing with St. Jude. How is that such an important thing that's part of this tour that really makes you happy? I, I heard so much, so many comments of the members of how they've been able to help out by visiting the Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.